easiest way is Robert H. Flynn. H is for Henry. Uh, I'm not one way or the other, you know, saying anything about Henry as a name. When I was a little guy, I didn't, didn't like it that much. But Robert H. Flynn at fairwayresidential.com. You know, my dad, my dad was Arthur H. Weber, and it was Henry. Henry. And he didn't like it either. Yeah, I don't know what, but I'd love to see one of my grandkids named Harry. So there you go. <laughs> my okay. father's name was Albert, and he hated it because he was called Bertie as a little boy. That was the shortening in England, not Oh, Al. yeah, Bertie. And so he went by James or Jim, his middle name, his entire life. So. Welcome to the Three Wise Men of Divorce, Money, Psych, and Law podcast. Sit down with the California divorce experts, financial divorce consultant Mark Hill, psychologist Scott Weiner, and attorney Sean Weber for a frank and casual conversation about divorce, separation, co-parenting, and the difficult decisions real people like you face during these tough times. We know that if you are looking at divorce or separation, it can be scary and overwhelming. With combined experience of over 70 years in divorce and conflict management, we are here for you and look forward to helping by sharing our unique ideas, thoughts, and perspectives on divorce, separation, and co-parenting. Okay, so um, it's been a weird real estate market, hasn't it, Mark? Bizarre. Um, I've never had so many people soliciting, so many agents telling me they have buyers for my house. Yeah, I got come- one guy that calls me all the time, says, I know we've spoken before. And my res- he leaves that message every time. And it's like, I know we haven't. Stop it. Right. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, everyone's they're, they're looking for inventory. There's no inventory. So we have a guest this week um, on our podcast, a good friend of mine, and also uh, a member of the Weber Dispute Resolution Mediation Panel, uh, Bob Flynn. Uh, and and. We're just glad to have Bob on the on the on the Zoom today, and and so that we can uh, talk about uh, the real estate market. Bob, you're an interesting um, you're an interesting character. You got quite a background. You you were an attorney in Massachusetts. I, I was an interesting character uh, before I I moved out here. Yeah, <laughs> I, I practiced law for many years in Boston. Did a lot of uh, real estate trial work. Uh, among yeah, things, and. Uh, I moved here uh, only because one of my five kids said, hey, come on out here, Dad, and help me build a real estate business. And it struck me right. But uh, I've also been a mediator, arbitrator, and uh, I, I do that kind of work and bring those things to real estate. Yeah. So if you have a, you know, people out there, if you've got a dispute that uh, involves real estate or probate or any kind of civil question, uh, Bob's a great mediator for that kind of stuff and can really help you resolve your dispute. But, you know, I wanted to talk to you, Bob, today because um, we just wanted to talk about this weird market that we're in. And you've got some serious background in real estate. And I just, you know, we're trying to figure out how this, you know, affects our our divorce clients that we're working with. And the folks out there that listen to this are divorced people. And, you know, what 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 is going on in this market? It's It's seems to be a little different than what I'm used to. Well, the part of it that everybody sees really is the prices are going up, 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 uh, seemingly without end. But that will begin to tear off. It will have to. And uh, there are probably two structural reasons for that, at least as I see it. 
one people may not really see it unless you're on the edge of the business, but the inventory is shrunk to nothing. And there's different ways of looking at it, but two years ago in April 2019, there were 13,000 plus properties in the month of April 2019 for sale, actively for sale. Uh, last year, the same month, there were 6,600 plus properties. And this year, you're down to 3,000 plus properties, just constantly getting halved. Um, so with that shortage of property and increasing buyer demand and low interest rates, that's one of the two big reasons. Uh, the other big reason, uh, we were talking about it early today at another meeting, uh, since the last recession, housing starts at down 40%. So now you have an increasing population, people not putting their homes on the market, and uh, there's a dearth of new inventory from stemming from the last recession, 40% down from what it uh, normally would be. So there we are. It's a fast market. Put it on, you're going to sell it. Yeah. I mean, Mark, you heard of a kind of a, some crazy things I, I, with people purchasing, haven't you? Yeah. Um, you know, the, there was a situation we had with somebody, a client who um, is getting a divorce, trying to purchase a property. And so he makes an offer um, and uh, he makes an offer above asking price. And the people there wanted a rent back. So he offered them a free 30-day rent back. Um, <laughs> he didn't get it because the buyer that did get it offered a free four-month rent back. <laughs> so they're not even getting a position of the house they're going to buy, and they're not going to get any income from it. And they're going to have to pay for it for four months. But just to yeah. get it, they did that. And uh, I had a buyer lose... Uh out on uh, several properties with 10 other bids, even though they were really right around the top. They finally bought a beautiful home and are very happy. And I had one divorce sale not long ago where because of intransigence on the part of one of the two spouses, they wouldn't say yes or no to any offer. And the office kept coming in mm -hmm. 33 offers later. Um, the court was close to intervening. I would imagine pull a trigger on that. Uh, and I was embarrassed. I mean, I was yeah. 33 offers. Well, and remember, then I, go ahead, Mark. Well, I remember a case. I can't remember who the attorney was, but the, the, the woman would not let who was living in the house, husband had moved out long ago. She was a hoarder and the place was just oh, filled. That you could hardly get in the door and she wouldn't allow anybody into the property to show it. And she would just feign sickness whenever the time came for someone to come and, you know, inspect the property. Uh, and it went on for literally for years before the court did intervene. Yeah. That's, that's a real problem. You know, they're throwing their own money away. Yeah. Uh, What's going on in commercial real estate, Bob, is the same sort of situation. I would imagine it might be sort of mirror image if people are not going to be looking for office space. Well, I, I, I know on the apartment side, to start there, it's kind of paralleling what's going on here. Prices are going up. Mm -hmm. so, you know, the uh, returns in San Diego quite low, but it's quite safe. Uh, and prices have been going up. But on the commercial side, I'm 
uh, the office space, I'm much less familiar with it, but uh, I see a lot of vacancy signs, mm-hmm. you know, in uh, down in La Jolla, right downtown La Jolla. So I, I presume from scuttlebutt with other realtors, you're going to see price drops big time. Changes now, law firms practice and things of that mm-hmm. nature. So it's kind of a different direction. But Weber's going to move in into a closet at the side of my yeah. office space, <laughs> I hear. <laughs> Say, cut his commute uh, down a bit. I'll cut, uh, cut my commute down by 10 minutes, right? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, if I could get on the opposite side of that Qualcomm traffic there by where you yeah. have your office, that would, that would be nice, actually. But I like it. Yeah, I know. I like where it. I'm in Sorrento Valley. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Right off Mira Mesa Boulevard on Carroll Canyon Road, if you know where that is. Yep, I do. Yeah. yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I was on High Bluff for years, paying four bucks, and El Camino Real up in Del Mar, paying four bucks, four and a quarter a square foot. And then when I opened the space for this business, <laughs> it was like a buck 95. I couldn't believe it. Nicely improved. Yeah. You know, it's a B. It's a nice B building, yeah. but it's a nice B building. Yeah. You've been there, Sean. It's got yeah. a nice landscaping, free parking, you know. So yeah, very comfortable where we are. Well, we, you know, we're 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 finding that oh, I'm sorry, Bob. I keep talking over you. Go no, ahead. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you know, one uh we talked about demand and just talked about how sale prices are, you know, they seem to be going up and all that. It's a couple other factors, just so it's in the back of your mind. Um, going back three years, uh, 573000 was the median sale price of all kinds of residential property. 573 last year, April, 600000 sale price. This year, $710,000. Wow. That was now. Yeah. I know from my reading about Boston constantly, it's replicated right there in Boston. Mm-hmm. In a lesser way through most of the country, but. It's certainly that way in LA where my son has just yeah. bought and will soon be selling another house. So, yeah. yeah. And they're selling quicker and quicker. We have under a month's supply of inventory. And you should have six months' supply of inventory. That means, you know, yeah. you'll, you'll sell out in a month. Well, when my son bought, the, the, the place had been on the market for eight hours when they put their offer in. Yeah, and they had great. four backups when they accepted it the following morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So maybe there'll be a, a, a slight dip, but I, I, uh, it's, it has to slow way down. But uh, I don't think you see prices dropping. I think the biggest risk is interest rates. Right. I think that's uh, you know the the long end. The Fed truly doesn't control, although they have done by purchasing the long end. But the reality is that if inflation does pick up and it looks like it is significant and we start to see it in wage inflation, I think bondholders are going to demand a lot more on the long end and the 10-year could easily go back up into the 4% range. And that would change the mortgage market and affordability would get impacted. So, Right. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's crazy business. So okay, so Mark, you and I have had this where where we got this couple and they're they're trying to figure out what to do with the house, and they got an appraisal, mm-hmm. and the appraisal says X dollars, but the house across the street just sold for Y dollars, you know, 
a lot more money and uh, maybe they get a rent back and, you know, all these crazy stuff we were talking about. Um, and when the people, outspouse goes shopping, she or yeah. he cannot find anything that's comparable for what the appraisal came in. Yeah. So the appraisal said, you know, uh, you know, let's just pick numbers, round numbers. The appraisal said 800 and they think they can get 900 for it if they were to put it on the market. And if she were to go buy something or he were to go buy something comparable, they'd spend 900 as opposed to 800. And so then what do they do? It's just a challenge, right? So, I mean, sometimes I've sent people to you, Bob, before who um, wanted to know what you would sell it for, which is, is that, how is that different from just getting an appraisal? So this isn't really, um, I've used appraisals as as witnesses in court on a number of occasions. Right. And and it's not because I sell properties, but I kind of really have taken to heart the real estate industry's worldview, which is that they're on the cutting edge of what a property really is worth. Um, And in a a market like this, where the prices are going up, 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 I think that may be true. The appraiser seems to have a little bit more backwards Mm -hmm. look Mm -hmm. in time. I, and I think, uh, so I, I look at list price, for example, as kind of a, a target. It's a, a tool to get people in the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sale price, I used to say as a lawyer, nothing says I'm sorry quite like money. And in the real estate world, it's kind of nothing sets the uh, suggests what the real value is uh, quite like a signed contract. So if you have a, mm-hmm. so I, I think the, <laughs> A good CMA by a quality real estate person should really give you a really good idea of what the property can sell for. And the proof is in the pudding. If you look at the statistics, I won't get it. It's right around 100% of list price is what the properties sell at, except this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now it's going over. So it's, and even then it's only like 1.9, 100.9% of uh, the list price. So, that's kind of my take on appraisers have their place, but it's more in selling disputes, I think. Well, and, 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 you know, we use them a lot in family court, you know, you can't mm-hmm. figure out what the value of the house is. You have usually have two appraisers, sometimes three appraiser testifying right. and, and uh, they can but be wildly different. And it's an immediately polarizing event. If one is staying and one is getting bought out. Right, because their their interests that have always coincided in this property that they bought together, they decorated together, they did the yard together. Now one of them is keeping it, and so they want the lowest price possible to buy the other one out, and the one that's selling wants the highest price possible, and also probably has some emotional attachment to it. (laughs) You know, it's where the children were born, or I've got that case right now where, you know, the son was born in this house. and How, you know, how often do you see people keeping, I, I was selling the house versus uh, keeping it? I, I, go ahead, Sean. Tell me what I was going to say. Seeing. Lately, it seems like I'm seeing more people buying out. But, um, well, there's more seeing, equity in the properties to enable it to occur, number one. Number two, yeah. the interest rates are so low that people can actually, you know, get 
refied should they need extra capital sometimes just based upon income or upon support that will be paid. So I think those are contributing factors too. But, you know, I, I, we, we've been finding also that's not necessarily the best choice for them to do a buyout. You know, we, we Mark, you and I had somebody recently where we were just like, we were talking about, well, what if you didn't have this mm-hmm. house? What if you were, you know, how, how could that maybe be better for you? Yeah. Uh, and what if you decided to rent for a year and not feel this pressure that also is another, you know, it's the other side of the same coin in this market, which is, oh my God, I'm going to be out of the market. I won't own a house if I rent for a year or two where I was to, when I decide what I want to do with my life. And the problem with that is that <laughs> they feel pressured into buying in a crazy market where there's no inventory, as Bob pointed out. And if, if you keep the property, don't you lose, Mark, uh, after a couple of years, you're the other well, maybe immediately the other two fifty of the five hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Yeah, yes, you could, we can we can work around that to some degree, Bob. We can put something. You know, if you've got kids, you, you know that we put pursuant to the divorce, um, the yeah. property will be sold at a future child-related event, like turning eighteen or graduating high school, nice. and we put that in the agreements, and that has worked as far as I know. You know, in terms of how the IRS extended the period of that any two out of the last five years rule. But often what happens is people, you know, they they can afford to do it now because of those factors. You know, they, they can, it's possible. Remember, Sean, right after 08 and 09, nobody could afford it. And that's why housing prices were dropping, too. Mm-hmm. You know, there was just no one could afford to refi, you know. Yeah, yeah, that was happening, and and, and yep. people were underwater all the time, and yep. the the houses were being sold a lot and more the, back the then. The loan, the banks weren't out there. There was no money to being lent. Yeah, to be able to buy was lending. Yeah, yeah. but uh, there is a lot. They're a lot more loose with their money than they were before. Well, there's a lot of money been created by. I mean, I I was a financial advisor for you know years, you know, 25, 30 uh-huh. years, and then. Suddenly, I don't understand anything anymore because after the financial crisis, all the rules changed about the way money was created. <laughs> I mean, money became, you know, there was a time about a year ago, if you wanted to buy a house in Denmark, they paid you to borrow the money. I am not kidding you. They paid you to borrow the money. It was Please negative take interest our money. And buy a house. Okay. And so, and I, I'm the firm belief that money should be worth something. If I borrow money from you guys, I should pay for it. It should have a value. And when you put the interest rates at zero or base the risk-free return at zero, all the calculations that I grew up trying to understand how to value markets went, you know, just went away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's interesting. Um. And I just, I think it's really important for folks to, to think about, you're making a business decision. You know, a lot of times people make decisions about their real estate. You probably see this all the time, Bob, when people are buying real estate or selling real estate, they, 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 they make an emotional decision. We, we try to emphasize with them that it's your, your, your house, your home, and your investment. You know, it's the house first, we find the house, but you make it a home and, um, it makes itself an investment uh, if you do it correctly. But, you know, I, I was thinking with people keeping their homes in a divorce situation, they may want to ask themselves just as with an investment, you know, uh, would I invest 
today in in this as the house I want to be in, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I, sometimes I think people stay through inertia and they're fighting to keep the life they had. You know? Well, and it, it feels safe to, to not right. scuttle. This, this is where I am. This is where I feel safe. This is where I feel comfortable. And, and we have a colleague who calls it yeah. the marriage museum. Right. Yes. You right. Know? Oh, right. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and it, 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 sometimes it is the only stable thing in a person's life where they feel everything else is falling apart. So you can understand the reluctance to, you know, move immediately, but employing some planning and looking at cash flow and understand. I had a lady once who kept a house and um, she literally five years down the road, she'd retired from a government job. Her husband didn't make a huge amount of money. He had actually given her the equity because he felt guilty about an affair he'd had for 20 years, apparently. And, you know, she'd retired early from her job. And I pointed out to her by running some spreadsheets that she was really out of money in four or five years. You know, the kids were we gone off to college. She was a woman in her 50s. And I told her this. And she said to me, and this is not an exaggeration, if I need to go and turn tricks on Oceanside Boulevard to keep that house, I will do it. Yeah. And I, she would look me straight in the eye and said that. And I think she was joking, but I mean, that the vehemence of the response just tells yeah. you there was a lot more attached to that house. I, you know, I like how you said you think she was joking, but you're not <laughs> quite sure. <laughs> How look, I saw the finances, <laughs> I saw the cash flow. I, you know, and I was thinking, ma'am, you're gonna to have to work a large number of hours. No I was gonna say, what what know. what is the uh what is the cash flow on turning tricks on ocean? Um, you know, probably not I, sufficient for this. I do not have the well, data. What that really shows is she's a fighter and yep. she's fighting to keep yeah, that's the point. Yeah. She, but it had been a false ability, apparently. You know, um, I don't. I often wondered what happened to her because she did take. We did do the settlement, and this was probably boy, fifteen years ago at least. So, well, there there was a judge in town. If the parties couldn't agree on what was going to happen with the house, I, I heard this order many times. He would say, "The parties shall go to the the nearest Century Twenty One broker." <laughs> <clears throat> And we'll list the house for sale forthwith. You know, he didn't. Yeah. He didn't even let him pick the the broker. He's the nearest one geographically to you. I don't know what he had for Century Twenty One. He always a Century Twenty One broker. His wife worked at the closest one to the. Maybe uh, that's courtroom. what it was. I don't know. <laughs> I think aggressive business, isn't it? <laughs> really, Century Twenty One around any edge you can get, Bob. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but but he 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 always make that argument. It was the Solomon thing, right? It was yeah. we're going to cut yeah. the baby in half, and if they can't agree on what happens with the house, then ah, oh, we're going to sell it. You know, and that can happen. I kind of, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of think that if a conversation doesn't demonstrate to both parties that it makes sense, business sense, to keep the house, probably everybody is better off liquidating it as quickly as possible. Mm. moving on but of course that coincides with self-interest here so well and, and that's a th- i don't mean it that way it's not it's just no i know what you mean my- you know it, it, what does happen is um 
people will be in the in the marriage at a certain lifestyle and they're used to maintaining that lifestyle. But what Mark and I have learned is that you can expect a 10 to 20% reduction in your standard of living because it costs more to buy two gallons of milk than but does to buy one gallon of milk. When you're living in different households, it just costs more. And uh, what they don't realize is you may have just been affording that house at the marital standard of living, but now that you can't pool your resources anymore, you're right. it's just mm-hmm. out of reach. Right. And and it's better to just make the decision to sell and get a clean slate and start over again um, on real estate than it is to become house poor. But the thing is that in most divorces, people are not thinking in terms of what can I afford? They're thinking in terms of what can I keep and what can I get? What can I, yeah. What can I hold on to and not lose? Exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, I always say this to people, you know, guys would say to me, Oh, I have a net worth of four or 5 million bucks. I go, no, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) And they say, what do you mean? Uh, You know, it's like, well, you're a married man, right? Yeah. How long you been married? 26 years. Oh, good for you. Um, Were you rich before you got married? Oh no, no, no. It's, It's all happened in the last 10 years. Right. Okay. Well, okay. Divide by two yeah, right. <laughs> community property state, but no one feels that way. So just the concept of a divorce is a loss. And then there are expenses associated with it. That will be an even further loss. So you come in with a negative kind of a, a situation from the, from the outset, just in terms of perceiving, <laughs> you know, where you are financially. Yeah. You're in for a, a new paradigm, right? Well, yeah. you know, um, the good news is if you're selling a house, it's a good time to sell, right? And so if you're great, if you're in the divorce yeah. and it's time to sell, you know, good for you. You you got in at the right time. You know, if people have enough equity, I like to think in terms of seniors. The seniors are frozen in their homes. I know we're not talking about seniors right now, but yeah, um, although we are seeing a lot of told, older people getting divorced than we used to. Well, they have a ton of equity in the, their property, and they're afraid they can't find another property, but they're in the driver's seat. They're almost all cash buyers, mm-hmm. right to the top. And a lot of divorcing couples who have a lot of equity could find themselves in that same situation. But they're downsizing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I, I really uh, am thrilled to have the opportunity to join you, uh, Sean, over at Weber Dispute Resolution. Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, you guys are so well recognized. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, it's glad I'm glad to have you on our panel. Um, you know, it's 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 good to know that you know I can we can resolve any kind of dispute, not just a. Uh, a divorce, but uh, if there's a civil dispute and you've got such a background in dispute resolution that it's just great to have you on board. And Bob, I didn't mention this, but I'm also trained in collaborative estates and trusts and have actually given trainings in models that do that. We were brought in by Maryland courts a couple of years ago to teach them how to get their uh, court docket down. So we, we, we should talk uh, about other things, too. Yeah. It will be sure. a pleasure. So yeah. we've done it again. We've, we've spent another half hour or so talking about some interesting things in the divorce world. And it's always nice to have a guest come on our show 
uh, Bob. So I'm glad you came to to be with us. If if somebody needed to get a hold of you, either for uh, uh, real estate questions or for other things, how would they do that? Easiest way is Robert H. Flynn. H is for Henry. Uh, I'm not one way or the other, you know, saying anything about Henry as a name. When I was a little guy, I didn't didn't like it that much, but. Robert H. Flynn at fairwayresidential.com. So, so Mark, if, if people want to talk to you about the financial impact of their marriage. You would go to Pacific Divorce Management's website, which is www.pacdivorce.com, P-A-C-D-I-V-O-R-C-E.com. And our phone numbers and contact information is all there. Well, if you have any kind of dispute, whether it's a marital dispute or a child dispute or some other kind of dispute, go to WeberDisputeResolution.com. That's Weber with one B like the grill. WeberDisputeResolution.com. And we will match you with a mediator who can help you resolve your dispute. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Three Wise Men of Divorce. Money, psych, and law. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and share with others who may be in a similar place. Until next time, stay safe, healthy, and focused on a positive, bright future. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Every family law case is unique, so no legal, financial, or mental health advice is intended during this podcast. If you need help with your specific situation, feel free to schedule a time to speak with one of us for a personal consultation.